Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host, and I'm thankful to be here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Excited to have you all in studio, Mark, and also on the phone, we have a great guest we're going to get to in just a moment. I want to tell you guys how to plug in with us. It's go to thehousinghour.com, and you can find all of our information, our past shows, our current shows. You can listen to the series that we've put together, and also we're on facebook.com slash thehousinghour. You can find us there. Um, we're on Twitter at the housing hour and you can find mark on pinterest as well he pin he pins a lot and you can find uh, numerous pins and boards on his page so with that being said mark had told me back when he did this show and i was out of town he had a, a, a an interesting topic and unfortunately i wasn't able to make it but he was um, going to have on the show heritage farm animals was the topic and he had on the show Jeanette Berenger. She is the senior program manager, uh, the Livestock Conservancy. Um, and I was so excited once I listened to the show to actually fully understand what it was that you guys discussed, Mark. It was really, really incredible and, and eye-opening for me, ear-opening, so to speak. Well, you know, I learned about this because I, I watch a lot of the gardening shows. I know that sounds mm -hmm. funny, but I well, love those your things. your Pinterest stuff. But uh, yeah, P. Allen Smith talks about it quite a bit. Yes. And um, so uh, he he had this topic on and on again. And so I started Googling it, and that's how I found Jeanette. That's awesome. Well, Jeanette, welcome into the show. Well, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. By the way, P. Allen has some of my chickens. <laughs> oh, oh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, the thing I was really struck by during your talk was your your passion um, with all of this, actually. And, you know, there was the history that you had as a zookeeper transitioning from that, uh, doing the uh, natural, as you said it, um, transfer to where you currently are. Um, you're way too young to be retiring from anywhere, but you said you had retired from the zoo. Um, and you've been currently at this new location for 12 years, I think you mentioned. So yeah. what I want to do real quick is to allow you to just um, let me first and then you will just tell you a little bit about what it is that you guys discussed. Because Mark, you know, the idea of having multi you know a multitude of different types of animals that are currently being raised throughout the country um, is not a surprise i think that would probably be something that most people would say oh yeah that makes sense where i think there's a little disconnect is that you have as an example pigs you would say that um, with pigs with pigs you've got one major breed and then you also have a bunch of other ones and when we cross-pollinate, if you will, cross-pollinate these breeds, what ends up happening as a result of that is that you get, and this is probably not the right terminology, but you sort of get a diluted uh, food product as a result of that. So the pork is not going to taste like what maybe it could or should uh, of if you had kept that uh, those pigs together, I guess you would say. So I, th I thought that was fascinating because you talked about this particular breed that was in Knoxville and you mentioned that, you know, people can't even, um, tell whether it's steak or whether it's pork because of how red it is. 
And these were all things that I just had no idea about. Talk to me a little bit about what some of the myths are that people might have in their head and and a little bit about maybe what you and Mark talked about. You mean uh, myths about the the food products from well, the from the animals? No, not so much the food products, but this idea that people think, okay, well, we've got one pig and there's no other kinds of pigs. We've got one duck and there's no other kinds of duck. We've got one chicken and there's no other kinds of chicken. I think that there's some misinformation out there. People think that there's a duck as a duck as a duck, a chicken as a chicken as a chicken, and that's not actually true. Well, yeah, that, that's correct. It, you know, it, there's such a wide diversity of animals out there, but after World War II, when uh, the rise of commercial uh, agriculture began, uh, it was just the top um, producers, you know, the animals that grew the fastest or gave the most milk or had the biggest bodies that kind of rose to the top and really just outcompeted everything else. But, you know, there's a wonderful diversity within each species, uh, you know, like chickens, um, you know, there, there, there are hundreds of, of different types of chickens out there, and they're not all white, you know, and they're, right. um, you know, and, and the important thing about diversity is they each come with their own um, uni- unique set of genes, and mm-hmm. they all share certain genes in common, but... Um, for instance, we're, we're doing a DNA study on, on chickens right now and, and just looking at their immune system, you know, the part of the DNA that represents the immune system. And what we're finding is each of the breeds has something completely, well, many of them have something completely non-existent in commercial poultry. Mm. And what that means is it, it could be, you know, resistance to a disease or a parasite or what have you. What we do know for certain is it doesn't exist in commercial poultry. So what are we throwing out with the bathwater mm. if we lose a breed? And the question is we don't know yet. Um and I think that's for every species that, you know, these genes could be a wealth of, of useful traits in, in animals that we haven't even begun to hit the tip of the iceberg on. So it's important to ha- keep this diversity around um, because it it may hold the key to um, some important trait that that who knows we might need in the future. And uh, as Kerry Fowler uh, says, uh, he's the gentleman that um, he he's not only the founder of the Seed Vault in Norway, he's also a former um, member of our board. And he says, you know, we don't have a crystal ball and we don't know what traits we're going to need, but we mm. do know that the future is uncertain. And so keeping these animals around much like Um, You know, the seeds he protects, um, they're all very important to keep around for the future of agriculture. He's kind of like a modern day Noah in a way. I mean, I, I think it's interesting when you talk about the traits that these animals have, because people, I don't think they realize, but what you're, um, the thrust of what I took away from your all's talk, I mean, many things, but one of them was, is that those, those common farm animals that you know of, uh, today, that they, that they do face extinction, specific pure breeds of specific types of animals. And what I heard you also say was in just a moment ago, this study 
one of the things that is missing from a gene standpoint was this very important immune fighting uh, piece of the puzzle that could wipe out the entire breed if if you cross you know bred it with something else. So that's amazing. Well, you, you would just you would lose it, uh, right? You know, and and um, you know, commercial animals because they're putting so much energy into growing big or producing a lot of product. Mm. Um, sometimes they they're not the hardiest of animals yet. Right. A lot of these heritage breeds are hardy and mm-hmm. you know perhaps it is because of these unique um, gene variants within their DNA that um, shows that they've got something going on that the commercial animals don't and it's not to say you know commercial animals are bad in any way you know you got to feed a lot of people <laughs> right. but <laughs> you know you you really want to hang on to those particular, genes and traits in case you need to use them down the line like look at um well most people aren't aware of what's going on in china right now with african swine fever and uh, you know that some people say up to 80 percent of the pigs in china have been affected by this disease that there is no cure and pigs just die mm. period end of story and it keeps um uh, spreading, and uh, I was talking with the gentleman from Cambodia a few weeks ago at a conference. He said 50% of all their pigs are um, uh, affected by it, and um, this past year, the International Pork Expo was actually canceled here in the United States, States because nobody wanted to take the chance of bringing this disease into the U.S. I mean, it's a huge concern um, and who knows, maybe one of these rare breeds has some immunity to it. Wouldn't that be something? Uh-huh. But, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, we really um, want to make sure we plan for the future by, by keeping these genes around. Well, that's a very good stopping place for this segment because what is amazing about what you said is that 80% are affected by this particular thing in China, the pigs are. And could it be because maybe the pigs collectively had been crossbred so much that that one particular gene to fight off whatever this is, I'm just, I'm, I'm presuming that could be part of it, but interesting. Well, a lot of the pigs affected were commercial pigs, yeah. but. We're going to wind down the... this segment, Jeanette, just hold on to that thought because you've got a great thought coming in. We're on the other side of this break. We're going to talk more to Jeanette. She's got a wealth of information. So we're going to continue that on the housing hour. And we're excited to have her with us. Guys, come back with us right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Thank you for joining us again. We're excited today to have in studio Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, and on the phone, Jeanette Berenger, who is the Senior Program Manager of the Livestock Conservancy. Um, Really appreciate her taking the time away from her animals and um, taking some time to talk with us. Uh, Really a fascinating discussion that we're having. Um, and you know, you were talking before and I want to wrap this part of it up because I want to get to today's 
sort of the meat and potatoes of our subject, which is uh, the holidays and, and things of that nature. But um, you were saying right there before, I, I apologize for having to cut you off, but do, do you want to finish that statement that you were making? Oh, well, I was just talking about the, the you know, the, um, the pigs that were affected by the swine fever were both commercial and um, right. some of the local pigs. Um, so it can affect both, but you know, you never know if at some point in some country there there may be pigs out there that that are resistant to the disease, haven't come across it yet, but it doesn't mean it's out not out there. So yeah, um, well, one of the things that Mark had well he 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 pointed out a couple of things, but one of the things I thought of was hey, you know, when I went to, in two thousand and one when I went to Ireland, it was back when they were having that whole crisis. And you think of Ireland as having a bunch of sheep, right? I mean, that's especially in Northern Ireland, which is where we came in and we went through Dunkirk and then we came down through um, just the, the Southern coast of Ireland. And there was no sheep whatsoever. There was none because of the, I, I think technically said it was the mad cow disease, I believe, but they had to kill all of the livestock animals. Um, and that's, yeah, that that's tragic. Hoof and mouth. Hoof and mouth uh, that's what yeah. it was. I mean, it's yeah. tragic, really, that we have to do that, probably because of something we could have avoided. Mm -hmm. and, and does that happen in the 1800s, or is this just a new thing? Um, I, I, the, the difference between the 1800s and now is just, you know, transportation, and people get go further and faster, and, and um, you know, so it, it's kind of like... Uh, night and day you know back in in in, in uh, older times um, you know things could be a little more isolated and you know um, fizzle itself out and and you know not become uh, terribly widespread I mean there there are some diseases that are so virulent that mm. and persist in the um, land that um, you know there could be potential um, epidemics but um i think today our, our biggest challenge is just travel yeah and you know people can get on a plane and come from china and you know land here in the u.s and if they happen to have a ham sandwich <laughs> that's right. enough to infect you know a, a pig uh you know here in the united states uh you know the, yeah. the yeah so i think that's the the, the main difference so I want to point people to your website because, um, Mark, I don't want to redo the exact same show that Mark did, but you can go to thehousinghour.com and find their website right there so that you can go check out because there's actually a lot that you offer in way of a solution. And it's kind of, um, in a way, uh, like if you're a person that believes in global warming, um, you can do things to reduce your carbon footprint, even though everybody says it's not a problem. And guess what? It, it is a problem. So in this case, you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, that's not a problem because there's plenty of pigs. Guys, guess what? It is a problem. So you can do your part to, I guess, really benefit from what it is that the heritage animals, the, the, the whole program that you guys have and the heritage farm animals offer from just a uh, connection to the way it should be. And you have a lot of programs. If you don't mind, just like 30, 45 seconds, whatever it is, can you tell people how to contact you? And then we'll also have that information on our website. Yeah, you can go to livestockconservancy.org, okay. and that'll bring you to our uh, 
page, and uh, we've got a lot of educational materials, and we also have ways to find the animals and their products with our online breeders and products directory, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's really easy to, to find the the animals themselves, or say you want a product like meat or cheese or milk, um, you can find that online as well. Oh, that's awesome. It's a, it's a really great website, by the way. It's very well done and, and user-friendly, and I, I like you. it very much. So I want to transition a little here while we have you, because Mark had brought up the subject, which is really interesting, because if you think back over time, you think about the movie, just the Charles Dickens famous movie um, that, or the book that he wrote that was made into a movie, and you think about you know the big thing for Christmas, which Charles Dickens helped to really reinvigorate Christmas back at that moment at that time, was the this 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 goose right? So, what really changed over the years? Not just in Europe, of course, but even in America, because we ha- we think about the pilgrims, we think about the turkey, we think about that being like the main meat dish. That's what we're going to have come November twenty eighth. You know, is and, and and there's been so much stuff. I think that people misinformation, whatever the case may be, but how it's sort of evolved over the years, and it's just really a different animal these days. I actually didn't mean it to say it that way, but um, but Mark, you also had that idea of hey. This is what it used to be, and now it is the way it is now. Well, and plus, so how does that affect uh, the world consuming those particular geese mm. or goose that was cooked, you know, during Charles Dickens' time? Right. So, Jeanette, tell us a little bit about those types of animals, those breeds that may be endangered. Mm. Um, well, there there are a number of goose breeds that we have um, on our conservation priority list that are. Um, old ones and uh, like a, a traditional um, goose, if you're looking for a real big one for the table, would have been something like a Toulouse goose. And they're an enormous animal. And uh, they were also used for foie gras um, uh, production, um, but they make a, a, an, an enormous table goose. And uh, today the uh, commercial goose industry favors the Emden and this is one that um, isn't quite as big, but they grow very fast, and they've got white feathers, and and um, you know pluck really uh, cleaner than than a bird that's got dark feathers. And um, but the Toulouse is uh, it's become rare also because because they are so large, um, they take a lot of food to grow, and um, and they also, if you don't have a pond for an animal that big, um, they they struggle with breeding properly if they don't have water. And and um, a bird like the Emden uh, doesn't need water to breed, um, so that makes things a lot easier if you're trying to, you know, grow the birds out and breed them. Um, so you know, some of the rare goose breeds disappeared, you know, have been disappearing because of the challenges with them. Um, the others, um, like the uh, buff goose, you know, this beautiful um, medium-sized goose called the American buff, that um, they're delightful and they just don't grow as as big and as fast as the Emden does. And mm-hmm. um, and then also, I I think the, the the decline in goose is just a factor of Americans' change in in tastes and. You know, during the early 20th century, um, uh, people started wanting 
you know, more refined, quote-unquote, um, meats, uh, such as chicken and, and as opposed to duck and goose. And um, so, you know, prior to the 20th century, uh, geese and, and ducks were very widely consumed. And um, if you look at some of the, the history of, uh, in particular, like New York and and uh, the Northeast, there there were enormous duck farms out there and, and goose farms. And um, they just disappeared over the years because people favored uh, chicken more. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really funny when you, um, w- whenever I cook goose, my friends are like in awe mm-hmm. um, because they're like, oh, you know how to cook it. <laughs> you know? right. and it it's like rocket science to cook a goose and people... <laughs> Um, are frightened to death to to cook it, and it's like, come on, you, you could just do a little search online and do your homework. And goose is not difficult to to cook. You know, there are a few tricks to it, but um, once you get the the hang, I mean, you you don't even need to get the hang of it. Just learn the tricks, and and um, you know, certainly have a pan big enough to catch all the fat, because that's the thing about mm. geese. Are, they they're very fatty. Mm-hmm. Uh, another interesting thing is the reason you have a goose at Christmas as opposed to say Thanksgiving, is uh, and this is something we learned with the first batch of geese that we raised for the table. Um, you you don't want to butcher them until it really starts getting cold out, and that's because they're they put on their fat. And um, if you cook a goose before it's really developed all of that fat in their bodies, it can dry out really, really easily, and it's not very pleasant. We don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why uh, goose would be ready by Christmas time. Hang on to that thought. Hang on to that thought because Christmas is about a month away, so we want to consider all these options. We're going to continue this message right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray. Thank you, you guys, for joining us. And we are having a great show here. It is Jeanette Berenger. She is the Senior Program Director and of the Livestock Conservancy. And thankful for her giving us the time today. So you guys can check out thehousinghour.com. And you can learn more about Jeanette. You can also listen to the show that Mark did uh, and also just learn more about her uh, and what she does. And you can go to the website that we'll have right there on the housing hour. Um, And I can tell you that it is livestockconservancy.org. And that will again be up on our website. So we'd love for you to take a look at that. You're talking about geese and you were saying something and I again had to cut you off and I so apologize, but um, do you want to continue that train of thought? Yeah, uh, that uh, people are just, uh, you know, frightened to death to cook a goose. And, mm-hmm. and these days, you know, goose doesn't come cheap, you know, because there there aren't that many out Supply there. Supply and demand. You know, <laughs> not a lot of people are eating them. And if you want to buy a, a goose for Christmas, you're probably putting about $60 investment <laughs> into a goose. Ebenezer and would so... have had none of that at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, goose is known as the prince of poultry, and that's oh. because it is phenomenal. Is it? I mean, goose is something to be relished, and 
and it's not that hard to cook. And and the beauty is all that fat that's coming out of the goose, you can freeze it and use it for all kinds of things. Like um, one of our favorites is is cooking um, mushrooms rather than you know sautéing in butter. Uh, you know we'd use a little goose fat, and and it brings a beautiful uh, flavor to the mushrooms or. Um, you always make me hungry. <laughs> she can cook, I guarantee you. <laughs> because the la- when I listened yeah. to the last show, you ha- I was starving. I was starving. Uh, well, you know, we make all kinds of things, you know, pâtés and confits and and you know, goose fat is a is a wonder and um but uh you know, goose is flavorful and and just so rich and it's not something you would want to have every day, but for a special occasion, um, it, it really is uh, phenomenal stuff, and and I I try to tell people don't be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't get a bite. <laughs> Mark, don't be afraid. And, don't be afraid. Hey, but Jeanette, I, I tell you, I've I I watched the uh, Butterball website on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. because uh-huh. it's amazed. I'm amazed how many people can't cook a turkey. Yeah. And I've cooked a goose before, and it's not that uh-huh. difficult. It's just like a duck, but you have to be a little bit more careful to me to make sure it's flavorful. Mm. But turkeys give a lot of people a hard time, and that's the easiest thing yeah. to cook. I mean, turkeys, I noticed that, um, and by the way, on your website, for those that are looking, you can find more about the specific breeds that she is speaking of on her website. So, for instance, the ones that she mentioned were the American Buff and also the Toulouse. Toulouse? Toulouse. Toulouse. Yeah. So those are what you would say are in a watch standing, which I think is probably a good place to be, I would assume, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, and then the and turkeys, there's different ones as well. So do you want to talk us through? And also for, for those that are going to go on there, maybe mention to them what the, the critical threatened watch recovering and then study um, parallels are there that people can know. Yeah, it's the different levels of endangerment. So critical, obviously, is going to be the highest level of endangerment where the numbers are low, the numbers of breeders are low, and and then, you know, you work, work your way up from there, you know, to threaten, to watch, to recovering. And, and that's just how we categorize the different breeds and the... Um, you know, their status because, you know, we have to prioritize what breeds need the most help, like, right away. Right. And, and um, you know, the last census we did on poultry, we come to find out that the large ducks and the large geese and even some of the turkeys to some extent are all um, struggling because there aren't enough new breeders out there taking on these animals. And, they are bigger and they are more expensive to raise up and and um so they you know people if they want to get into showing poultry there there are a lot of bantams out there you know the itty bitty chickens cuz they don't take up much space and 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 um you know they're they're cheaper to feed and uh so recently the American Poultry Association matter of fact just uh, this past week, not this past weekend, the weekend before, uh, they had the Ohio National Poultry Show, and this year they decided to focus in on um, turkeys, and they had the largest turkey show in decades there, and and there were about 200 entries, and what was really neat was 
they did an old-fashioned um, table judging, so all the birds were lined up on a table, and the judge was not only looking at, you know, the color and, and you know, the shape of the bird, but really getting his hands on the turkeys and evaluating them for um, meat qualities, and, and, and that's the way uh, turkeys used to be judged. And, mm. um, you know, in recent decades, um Judges rarely put their hands on the birds, mm-hmm. um, so it was really exciting to see that. And um, the we, we're uh, collaborating with the American Poultry Association and and some hatcheries and a num- number of other organizations to try and promote the idea of um, people getting involved with these these larger birds and these species. Um, you know, there's there's a healthy market for for heritage turkeys, uh, but there's just not enough people breeding them. And then you also have the cheaters that are out there the, the that cheaters? are selling colored turkeys oh. as heritage turkeys, and, oh. and that's not what they are. Yeah, because that I mean, one of the the things that you stand for is a specific type of turkey like you're talking about the heritage turkeys Mm -hmm. now um this is a stupid question but where does the heritage turkeys fall maybe i'm just misunderstanding but the heritage turkeys in relation to this little graph that you have of the different um threatened watch and so forth does it doesn't even fall in that maybe can you tell me the difference between like a white holland turkey and a heritage turkey well, a white holland is a heritage turkey. Ah, um, gotcha. So we're talking they, about the, breeds. The ones that are not like gotcha. is a broad-breasted white or mm-hmm. broad-breasted bronze turkey. It's the turkeys that, you know, have the enormous breasts, and when they're walking, they, they're almost walking stooped over because their breasts are so heavy. A, a, a heritage turkey... Um, would be kind of standing at a 45-degree angle when they're walking normally, and and they wouldn't have those enormous breasts. And, and um, you know, for some of the commercial birds, they're so heavy that, you know, if you don't process them at the appropriate age and just let them keep going, um, they'll develop uh, leg problems. They can go lame or they'll start getting breast blisters because they're resting on the ground so much because it's so heavy, and then wow. they'll get blisters on them, and, and and they can't mate naturally anymore. And so the when we say heritage turkeys, we're talking about turkeys that are proportioned the way you know right. nature intended for a bird like that to yeah. be. Yeah, Mark slapped me um, across the head because that was like the most basic part of the first show. Um, but yeah. I understand it now. I guess what I was trying to get at is like if you if you're looking for a meal coming the 28th and you want to make sure that you have the right heritage farm breed, I guess you'll want to reference this and, uh, you know, the bourbon red, the bronze and the, uh, Nagargansett. How do you say that? The other one, Narragansett, would those be, um, good ones that you could go to your store? And, and another question is we only have two minutes left. My goodness. Um, if you go to the Kroger's or if you go to the food lion, are these brands, available or these are only going to be able to be you won't find those okay. at kroger the the one store you could most likely find a heritage turkey would be whole foods ah. um, they and it would be limited 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also go to Heritage Foods USA, which is a web-based yes. um, store, and you could find Heritage Turkeys. There, there you go. Or go to our website and and go to the products and breeders directory. That's and, what I'm talking um, about. Hey, Mark, did you yeah. already do that? Do, do we have Three Rivers? Is it part of the Heritage Farms? We we'll find that out because because people there's I, some I, local. You yes. already know this, Jeanette. I mean. People will travel. I mean, they, they don't care about that. That has nothing to do with it. They will do whatever it takes because I know that there are tons of people just doing a little Googling. You're the go-to person, and you were in the top 50 of most amazing women in 2015. I mean, you've got a great <laughs> bit of knowledge, not just about, hey, what's the best tasting meat, but also um, organically speaking, and I don't mean organically in a food sense, you just, this is just innate. This is part of who you are. This is your passion. It's obviously a gift that's been given to you. So we only have 30 okay. seconds left, but I want to thank you for coming in. Uh, do you have any last 15 seconds worth of closing words? <laughs> um, just don't be afraid to try something new mm. and do your homework before you cook it. Yeah. Absolutely. Do your homework. And the best way to do the homework is to go onto the website. And we're going to have all that information on thehousinghour.com. Guys, thank you so much. This has been, we got one segment left for Mark and I. We're going to wrap things up, but it's been really a great time. Thank you again, Jeanette, for coming on. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to be here speaking with you. And uh, the Housing Hour is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. You can go to migonline.com, find out more about our company, about where it is, what parts of the area we serve and connect in with someone. You can go there today, migonline.com, and find out more. Uh, really a fascinating uh, person. And, you know, Mark, when she was talking about what she was talking about, whether it be the ducks or the chickens or the geese or the turkeys or just anything, she has so much passion. She's got all the passion and she's got all the knowledge. I mean, she's very, and so the the Conservancy is so well-structured on their website. If you want to learn about all the different breeds and where you can buy these breeds, mm-hmm. you can buy breeds to put them in your backyard or you can buy them packaged, ready to eat. Right. Well, and I think people who are out there listening and they might be thinking to themselves, well, yeah, I'd like to get myself some chickens. Um, and you mentioned on the last show how Oak Ridge was one of the ones that actually yeah. – allows you to do that. And I'm sure that they don't have any governance as it relates to what kind of chickens. Mm-hmm. It can just be any kind, right? But you can, right. can you buy, I mean, it's a stupid question. Can you buy chicks from these folks? Yes, you can. They have breeders on there. So yeah. you can buy chicks. You can, you, you, can so, just, okay. you can find anything you want on their website. It's really amazing. Yeah. And I have a friend of mine who actually, and I'd be interested to find out, but I don't think she does chickens though. I think she does have some chickens, but most of the things that I see her posting about are these beautiful roosters. Yeah. Right. Gorgeous. Which I, I, I'm so ignorant when it comes to animals, but it's a male. Yeah, exactly. I know that. <laughs> I know that they're not laying eggs folks. Okay. If they do, well, it's not, a, it's not a, it's not a rooster, it's, right? He has a radio show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, he's a co-host, um, but, but in all seriousness, I mean, 
you know, when you first told me about this, oh, I'm thinking to myself, oh, Jeanette's a vegetarian and, you oh, know, no. she doesn't mm-hmm. eat meat. And that's, that's actually exactly it's opposite. It's the opposite. Um, she believes very strongly she in just the health of the animals. And you know what? She also mentioned how in the last show that you had her on, how there's like this, this very, not unusual, but interesting connection that we have with farm animals. She was talking about how when she was a zookeeper, you know, everybody wanted to, you know, the lemurs and all this, those more exotic, she would go to the farm animals oh, and yeah. take care of them. Right, you know, I right. thought that was interesting too. Oh, well, she connects to that. I think yeah. that's her background and, and what her passion is. But one of the Did things. Did you compare to Jane, Jane Good, Goodell? Yeah, Goodall. Goodall. Jane Goodall. And who was that? Uh, well, Jane Goodall. She took care of, I thought she took care of gorillas. It's chimpanzees. Oh, okay. I think. Um, like but, Robin Williams. But, but and Oh wait, no, she. The I'm, same passion yeah. and the same concern and love for, for continuing that breed. And yeah. that's, that's why I compared it to her. Yeah. I, and I think it's that's appropriate. True. No, it is very appropriate. I, I did watch a documentary on her and you're right because she cares about these animals mm-hmm. now. Wants to save them. Yeah. And she wants to save them and, and you know, she does eat them, you know, but at the same time, that's the way that it works. So when I started learning about the heritage breeds and yeah. like I say, P. Allen Smith is a farmer in Arkansas mm-hmm. and he's got a show on uh, channel two or whatever, and for probably 18 years now. Is that PBS? Yes, it is okay. PBS. Yeah. Um, one of the things he always talked about is the, is the, the tastiness of the meat mm-hmm. of these heritage breeds. Yeah. And that's when I started thinking, is there really a big difference between a chicken of a heritage breed versus something I could buy? And then it dawned on me down at Costco or Sam's, some of these chickens are mushy. They don't have taste to me. Mark, I, when you had mentioned that, I guess it didn't really connect until I listened to the full show. And then I even went back and listened to it because I was just trying to connect the dots. And cause she had mentioned something in there about the pork, about how right. the, the Chinese, whatever, whatever. It was like a Musheim. Yeah. Musheim and pork. she was saying that it was so red that people don't know the difference between it and steak. If and you it's were just delicious. Looking at it. Right. But, like what, steak. but, but what does pork normally look like in our minds? White it's like meat. a it's white, the other meat. white meat. Exactly. And I mean, it's good. I mean, you can find some good, yeah. you know, good. We're meat used to that. it. But yeah, there's such a difference. And so uh, my point was, is with chicken, um, I can't imagine not flavoring chicken, for instance, you because, because it's, a, it's such a bland taste of most that you'll find around here. So when I talked to her off air about, about the, the taste, she gave me, uh, we were, you know, going back and forth on emails and she gave me recipes mm-hmm. for the, for this Mosheim pig. And mm-hmm. I mean, she has got, she should Isn't do there a, a breeder here in Knoxville. Yes, uh, it's in, it's, um, in Swanee, Tennessee, I believe. Swanee. Swanee. Oh, okay. Tennessee. I was thinking the Swanee. I was, because that's the Chinese. Yeah, yeah. They got wiped out by the swine. But there's a Swanee. lot of breeders around here that do heritage breeds, chicken, blah, 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 right. all of them. So, right. um, but she started talking about, and then when she started telling me about, the tastiness of these things, how delicious they were versus mm-hmm. these bland breeds that we have all the, you know, the pork and everything. I, I just, you know, I went to see if I could find them and I, you know. I wonder what the breeds are. Like if I went to Kroger's today and I looked on the packaging, if it's going to say what type of, I doubt that no. it is, right? No, because in the first show, she she described that all the commercial breeds. So have, maybe I didn't get to listen to all of it. Maybe not, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they, they have uh, harnessed all the the commercial what she called commercial DNA. Mm, and no, so, that was yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So so those are all controlled breeds. They're all the same breeds. Some mm. commercial uh, um, entities have 
the patent to those DNA. Right. So, but they're basically all the same, same taste, same production, same weight thing. Yeah. Well, she mentioned about most of the chicken around here are raised so quickly to get to that point where they're eligible to be slaughtered, I guess. And there's just not a time for it to maturate. There's, there was an article in the paper two weeks ago that blew me away. Uh-huh. Costco was, um, oh, don't throw Costco under the bus. No, no, oh. no, no. no. Okay. They, they sell a roasted chicken. You can mm-hmm. buy roasted chicken at Costco for four ninety nine mm. in any co- Costco across the country. They have they require like eleven million chickens, something incredible number mm-hmm. per day to put on their roasters. But because what? Yes, are you serious? Yeah, okay. Across the country, right. and so, but in order to make sure that they have efficient. It had to be the same size chicken every single time. They, any variation in the in the uh, chicken cost them the money, and they were losing money selling it for ninety nine. Mm. So they went out and bought their own farms. They have their own controlled uh, farmers. And and is it like bonsai chickens or something where they put them in a jar and they can't exceed the size? No, they grow them a certain amount. They have to have a certain weight, and they can't go under or they can't go over. And that's what goes. It's like I mean, it's like a yeah, it's I an assembly line for chickens. It's an, exactly. And my question is, is number one, um, where did that all start? I guess it started with commercialization and, you know, us wanting to make more money, stockholders wanting to make more money, trying to squeeze out every penny that we can. And as the result of all of that, and I'm not, we're, no, we're not throwing Costco under the bus. No, look, no, look. no. They're I mean, supplying the need. Supplying a need. And I mean, they've got great TVs there. That's how it, but that's where we are and how we got here. <laughs> right. Because it has to be the same size chicken. So they go out and they find the farmers and say, this is the chicken you got to grow and this is the breed you're going to grow. Yeah. We really, we, we really do have, I mean, we have a food problem in America in a lot of ways because look the thing I can tell you is that today we have more processed food than ever before everything that we consume that is not grown or or slaughtered is processed pretty much you can look at anything now what's happening is even then at the actual food that we used to be able to sort of fall back on is genetically modified or worse yet it has been giving hormones so that it grows faster and what does that do to you well as your son grows up and he's got uh, hormones maybe that might affect him negatively or if you have um, this corn that's been genetically modified maybe there's negative consequences to that you've got soy you've got all these things and i'll tell you what just the old fashion what she's talking about is she's talking about the tried and true the stuff that was found walking this earth thousands of years ago that is what it is now and in every city and every community in the united states and world and it was segmented geographically yes. because guess what you've got a pig that grew up and lived in Sweetwater, Tennessee. He's not going to make it in New York. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, but, seriously, they, the, he, they're going to they say, what with, are you with, doing up here? And they're, he's going to be like, well, I'm just coming up here to get, you know, it, it just, it is, it is a comparison. You raise what flourishes. Exactly. And if you can find Sweetwater pigs, guess what? The people in New York, they're going to buy it and they're going to bring it in and then it's going to be bred with other animals. So I think it's fascinating actually. It is fascinating, and I want to do another show on mm. the milk industry because mm. it's struggling. Oh. Dean Foods just filed bankruptcy, Who? and Dean Foods, yeah, and they so like a large supplier. It's affecting Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee I do. We do. Farmers. We do almond milk. We do almond. milk. That's why. 
That's why it's yeah, being Yeah, and, and I'm yeah. sure that somebody's listening is going to call in and say, you know, yeah, almond that's, milk, almond milk's not good either. That's fine. I mean, fine. you know, there's there's a lot to all this stuff, but I'd say it's it's really incredible. And I don't know, those of you who are out there listening, um, I know that you're going to go to our website, thehousinghour.com, and check it out. Learn more about it. Find out more um, about this heritage farm stuff. Because for me, I think it's incredible that you can find the meat. You can find the location of where it is. I want you guys to go check it out because you can have the greatest goose um, that this country has ever seen if you just take it and go right now to that website, go to the housing hour, and we'd love to see it. Guys, we want to thank you so much for coming in. See you next time. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.